Welcome to the Coin Podcast Network. Emotional, creative, and often comical. Welcome to another in-depth but out-of-the-ordinary look at what it's like to write. This is Writer's Block with Coin6 News anchor Jenny Hansen. So we're excited this week to have on Sally Weisinger, who has many homes but lives in Portland as well, and she's there right now. And so she has this new book out called Yes Again. Uh, it is the story of, of your journey uh, finding love again after you were widowed. Thanks so much for being here, Sally. Well, Jenny, thank you for having me. Yeah, and so I want to get into your book. I, I find it really interesting about how you you did all this and you did the the online dating world after all those years. But let's talk about how you you got there. Um, so you you were married, and and your your first husband you found. I guess this was before the internet. Obviously, you found him through the world of, of personals. So, so tell me about that and how that all came to be. Okay, well, I do think of Matt as my first husband, but he really wasn't. I was married for seven years in New Orleans. I'm from New Orleans, and I left that marriage after seven years and moved back to the Bay Area. I'd gone to graduate school at Berkeley. And I just, and I had a small child and I was doing terrible menial jobs and trying to support my daughter. And um, I wasn't, I didn't have any time to meet anyone. So a good friend of mine said, Sally, do the personals. And I said, this was the newspaper personals. And I said, no, losers do that. And I'm not a loser. <laughs> and I met people, um, nice people. Um, there were some people I didn't want to meet, like two prisoners at San Quentin who wanted me to visit them on weekends. Hi. Oh but I ultimately met 12 people who were lovely, but not my him. And then there was a maybe person who I had to return a photograph to. And that ended up being the love of my life for 20 years. Um, and then he passed away. Wow. And so just what was that process like? Because it sounds like you were fairly young when that happened still. I mean, you know, these days we live forever um, to go through something like that and lose someone and, and, and feel like, do I start over? What do I do now? Um, if I stop briefly, it's because it's painful. Mm -hmm. um, losing him was terrible. I really didn't think I, I mean, he was 12 years older than I was. So I always knew I would lose him before I wanted to, but I was 57 and I knew life was not over, although it felt like it was over. So um, I kind of mourned for about a year, mourned for many years more than that. But I, I basically forced myself to figure out how I was going to meet people. First, I went to my friends and they all said, we can't imagine you with anyone but him. And they said lovely things like, you'll never meet another person that matches up. And I would think, don't say that. I, I need to keep going. So 
at about 58 or 59, I plunged into the online personals thing. And um, what year was this? Uh, this would have been around probably 2003, a year okay. after my husband died. Okay. And I was not prepared for men thinking, men five years older than I was, thinking I was too old for them because they wanted someone 15 years younger. Mm -hmm. um, or people who kind of strung me along and then asked me for $25,000 that they would return uh, with wow. me. Um, <laughs> there were some funny things. There were some difficult things. There were some fine things. I mean, I wasn't nervous or scared, but from time to time, it was very disappointing. Yeah. And so, to, and, and so those, those sorts of crazy experiences and, and encounters were happening because you hear about that now with the apps, um, but that was happening even you know, back then when it was mostly the internet where you were doing the online dating. Right. It was all yeah. internet. And yeah. I tried several different websites or sites. Um, you know, you hear about OkCupid, Zeusk. Mm -hmm. There were some special ones for seniors. And I have to tell you, Jenny, I didn't think of myself as a senior, um, but I am a senior and I wasn't going to fib about my age and I wasn't going to fib about well, I didn't have a facelift or anything. So, so um, it was difficult. And I guess I tried for a while. I kept track. I probably over 10 or 12 years, I probably met over 100 people. Mm -hmm. um, but when you think that's 10 a year, that's not it, the number sounds huge. But um, and I dated some of them. And there mm -hmm. were some who wanted to have a relationship with me that I didn't care about there were two guys i really liked one was still in love with his ex-wife and one mm. he later apologized thinking he didn't know i liked him so much but it was pretty clear i liked him and it didn't work out um he lived on the east coast um but it, and i was living in berkeley um so it got discouraging yeah and so Along the way, were you journaling all of this? What were you doing as far as your, your job and your career? At that okay. Time? After my husband died, um, I actually retired early. I had been vice president of public affairs and human resources at the Federal Reserve. And I really, after Matt died, I really said, you know what? I'm not carrying a briefcase. I'm not wearing business clothes. I'm going to be a dog walker if I have to. I adore dogs. And dog walking would be fine with me. But in the meantime, my parents were not doing well. And so I went to New Orleans and did nonprofit work and helped take care of my dad. Mm. Um, and, and, and from time to time, I just stopped the, pers the personals entirely and mm. focused on nonprofit work, volunteer work. Um, I do medical interpreting in Central America and the Dominican Republic, and that kept me going. Honestly, helping my parents, taking care of my dogs, and doing volunteer work were what kept me going. Wow. Okay. And so, and 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 then, but you were obviously keeping track of because did you have this idea for a book at the time? Were you thinking I'm going to put this all down, or or when did that? Well, Play. Okay, that that I've tried, I've tried to remember how it became a book. I definitely would sit at my computer and keep track of who I was meeting and 
little by little, I would tell my girlfriends and they would say, Sally, this is a book. I mean, this is a book, a man who dummies up a reason you need to lend him $25,000 for just a month. That's a book. And then, oh, Jenny, the funniest one, and this is in my book, I met a guy at, um, at a coffee shop in Berkeley, and he came in with a cushion, a donut, an inflatable cushion, and he sat down and began telling me about the hemorrhoid um, operation he'd had the week before. And, and I just thought, really? We're, we're talking about dating, and this is the first thing you can think to, t- to tell me? So I told my girlfriends about that. Mm-hmm. And they said, Sally, this is a book. So I started working with a friend of mine who's a writing coach, and it started coming together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so there's a lot of that along the way then in in the book, just your, your, your trials and tribulations of, of what happened with your dating. And then how there's this uh, crowdfund pastrami. (laughs) Talk about pastrami in this website. Okay. I'm going to have to look at at what pastrami means. Um, I started as a recruiter at the federal reserve Mm -hmm. and I was really pretty good at looking for the qualities we were looking for, say, in a financial analyst or an economist or a data processing programmer. And and so I used, I didn't know what to do, but one day it just came to me that I needed to write a job description for the person I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And so the P was the physical part, the A, I think was an appreciation of the arts, the S was spiritual, but not necessarily religious. The T was travel. Um, A was animal lover. And I had all these qualities, but not in that order. And I just looked at the qualities and I saw, I love the jumble. I adore the jumble. And I saw a jumble of letters and I saw the word pastrami just pop out at me. Mm-hmm. A couple other words popped out and I said, pastrami, mm-hmm. I'm going to start a project and I'm going to call it pastrami. Even though I don't eat much meat, I, I just thought pastrami was very silly. And then I approached my sister and said, will you help me with this? I'm going to build a website, which I can't do, mm-hmm. but she and her son could. And I'm going to look for this person. I'm going to look for the perfect pastrami candidate. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to go on? Yes. Okay. So then. I I find this very fascinating. (laughs) Well, you know, I think I was, I was in my early seventies by the time I, or maybe my late sixties by the time I came up with pastrami. Yeah. So then I said, okay, how do I find my pastrami candidate? And I said, well, I have to have pastrami liaisons. I have to go to people and say, this is what I'm looking for. Will you help me? Mm -hmm. And what's the hook? And I said, okay, the hook is a donation because at the Federal Reserve, we, if people referred people that we hired, we gave them referral awards. So I said, okay, my referral award is going to be a donation to a nonprofit of my liaison's choice. Mm -hmm. So I went probably, this was really hard for me. 
I went to 50 or 60 people and gave little pastrami cards explaining that I'm inviting you to be a love liaison, a pastrami <laughs> love liaison, and ask you to find someone in your life that you think is looking for me. Yeah. And then I will make a donation to your nonprofit. And so I met probably about 15 or so potential love candidates. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not going to say what happened other than it was yes again. Okay. Well, it, there's optimism in your book then. Um, you know, at, at times when I wrote some of the chapters, there wasn't the feeling of optimism. And one of the hard parts of writing this was, well, first of all, when I wrote it, I knew there was optimism at the end, but rewriting certain chapters about loss, there was nothing funny about that. And balancing the two is like balancing life. Um, there were parts that were hard and they were parts that were great. I, I like that. I, I read that you said that um, the more like the, the second draft and third draft, the more you look back at grief, it kind of turns into comedy. I know you were working with a, a comedy writer, right? Um, but it, it, you, you kind of look back at it with this different lens um, as time passes. Well, the other thing is when I started writing it, I had a whole different ending and, and it was, it, it was, it certainly wasn't downbeat, but it was well, you know, thought through and meaningful to me and hopefully meaningful to others. And I talk a lot about certain poems and certain books that got me through the hard part and got me to a place where I was really grateful. I mean, really grateful that, you know, things are not always going to be painful, but, but then they were wonderful. Um, but the ending of the book is not what I anticipated as I was journaling and writing. I would imagine that would have affected the title of the book too. Did you have a completely different title in the beginning? You know, I don't remember. I did have a different title. I knew I couldn't say pastrami. Oh, I think at one point I thought it was going to be pastrami is not only a meat, but I played with so many titles. Yours would have been like, we have no idea what this is. <laughs> what is this? You might delis? I don't <laughs> What else is pastrami? I also found a pastrami t-shirt at Pot Belly Deli or whatever the name of it is. Yeah, and place, yeah. Pastrami t -shirt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, and I would say it's, it's, you know, cause on the surface it's, you know, about you trying to find love again, but it sounds like it's also just finding yourself and, and this whole process that you went through. Well, I, I very much appreciate that question because it's frustrating to me to see some early reviews that talk about me finding love. Mm -hmm. um, it, that did, that was part of it, but I had to have a two-tracked life. I had to have a meaningful life mm -hmm. with or without a person that I was romantically attached to. Mm -hmm. And that's terribly important to me. Even when I was with my husband, who I call my first husband, I had to have that other component. 
And to narrow it down to simply about love is not the message I want to pass along. For me, dogs, music, girlfriends, gardening, volunteer work, all of those were as rich as finding love. But the two together are just amazing. Right. Yeah. And, and so are you working on a, a follow-up book? Uh, where, where are you at with writing right now? Well, right now, I am writing so much with my publicist. I thought I was done. I had no idea that the writing would continue. And I'm noodling about what more I could write. And I'm reading a huge amount about memoirs. And um, I've been thinking what more I could write about my own life. But I have a couple friends whose lives are so interesting that I would like to work with them rather than writing about my life. I have I have two friends whose lives just to me are amazing. Um, so I'm thinking if my if my girlfriend Courtney, um, her name is Courtney Flavin. She is is a comedy script writer. She with a team of people won an Emmy for script writing, and if she will work with me. I, I would be delighted to do it. But writing is lonely. I mean, writing is solitary. And I'm not a sit, you know, for eight hours a day and look at a, a computer screen and type person. So I would need to do it with another person. I think it's interesting. I read that that you 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 don't, uh, you used to read fiction, but now you don't really read fiction because I'm a big fiction person just for that escapism. And I would think after going through something like you went through, you would want that escapism. But you, I read that you said you really like reading true stories about things that really, you want to know what really happened. And, and it's really, this came to me just as I was responding in some interviews. I've kept track of all the books I've read since about the mid 1980s. And in the early part of that time, I was reading stuff by Barbara King Solver, Solver and Wallace Stegner and, uh, you, you know, just just total novels, Louise Erdrich. I mean, maybe some of them are autofiction, but in later years, without even realizing it, I've been reading autobiographies and memoirs. I also used to read more crime novels. I was looking at my book. I was reading Elizabeth George. I was reading John Grisham. I was reading. Mm -hmm. And actually, at this point, I want to go back to that because I miss that. But somehow I must have been preparing to write a memoir because I look at what I've been reading, Mary Carr, The Liars Club, you know, Glass Castle. I loved Educated um, recently, but I didn't realize I'd changed the kind of reading I was doing. Yeah, I think that happens as, as you evolve and, you know, and life, depending on what life throws at you, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, but truly, I'm I'm up for a good mystery right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are fun to, to read. Uh, and and you mentioned I know you're in Portland right now because you live here. How how do you live here most of the year? Or well, COVID changed everything. Okay. Um, when my reasons for being in Portland evolved, and again, I'm not giving up the story, but yes, right. again, is the story. Um, I said, you know, I'm never going to leave Berkeley and I'll never leave New Orleans. Mm -hmm. uh, my life is in those two cities. And we agreed that we would somehow make it work. And then COVID hit. And then I've spent 
almost all of my time in Portland with trips down to Berkeley. Uh, and I sold my house in New Orleans, which was hard because that's where I was born. That's where I went to high school and college. And that's where my closest friends are. I, I mean, I'll always probably spend more time in Portland than Berkeley. Uh, but my home of almost 50 years is in Berkeley. Yeah. Uh, well, it was so nice talking to you today. And this is exciting. I think it's exciting that you reinvented yourself, it seems like. Well, I, you know, thank you, Jenny. Um, I, I don't know if I really had a choice. I've tried to think why I did this. And I think there's just something my mother always said I had ants in my pants that I never just <laughs> stayed still. And I think it was the inability to just accept that nothing was going to change. And it's not so much that I went for it as I couldn't not go for it. And I'm, I'm delighted at how things happened. I hope that if other people find themselves in a situation, they can say, yeah, this is not what I wanted, but I'm not going to just let it keep me down. Well, they can find their own pastrami. Hopefully they're good at Scrabble or Bananagrams too, and they can come up with a, an acronym and, and start a website and find some love liaisons. Thank you <laughs> so much. But everyone does, right? <laughs> As they do. Yes, yeah, so Sally Weisinger, thank you so much. It was so great to meet you virtually. Thank you, Jenny. The Coin Podcast Network is your home for on-demand coverage of local news, sports, weather, and entertainment you won't find anywhere else. You can always find us on coin.com slash podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. 